Keep your hands and head inside the vehicle at all times. Buckle your seatbelts, check your mirrors, sit on back and relax. It's lights out and away we go for the Tall and Short of It podcast. Alright everyone, welcome to another episode of the Tall and Short of It podcast coming to you live from the electronics section. I'm your host Justin. And I'm Aaron. Welcome back everyone for another week of the podcast. We've got uh, some good stuff today. We'll get into IndyCar a little bit. Uh, got some F1 quick hitters, um, League of Legends, and then of course we'll have some Magic the Gathering at the end. Uh, but Justin, good to see you for another week. Yeah, good to see you too. Sorry again, a day late. We had some uh, technical difficulties here, but you know nothing that's gonna nothing that's gonna sink the ship. I'd say. Good to see you, my friend. This week, how have you been? Um, been doing pretty good. Uh, I'll I'll go ahead and just start off with my rose thorn and seed for this week. But let's hear. Um, it. just for my rose this uh, past week, I was just thinking about it a couple of times on like my drive home and everything lately. Um, and, uh, just being it, I appreciate Colleen a lot. Like today I got home, she had already made dinner, like surprised me, cooked it up. She just does little things like that. And like, um, I mean, just enjoying this time of being engaged and not stressing about planning and everything for the wedding and all. Um, so it's just nice to get to enjoy that with her and, so it's just been, um, she's just great. So she's my rose for this week. Um, for my thorn work has just been a lot. Uh, we've had, or I just have a lot of move-ins coming up and everything and all of them need little things changed or shifted in the apartment. So I've been moving and cleaning a lot of furniture the past couple of days, which is annoying, but it does what I need to. So, uh, it's just part of the job, but mm-hmm. not the most exciting part of the job. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it. And I imagine not just cleaning, you probably have to move it a bit too. It's probably going to be pretty heavy as well. So yeah, couches and beds and things like that. It's a, uh, it's a little bit of a pain, but, mm-hmm. uh, making it happen. Uh, but my seed is this weekend. Um, Colleen and I are going to take Senna, we're going to meet up with some of our friends and their dogs at a new, um, it's a new, so it's called bark social. It's a like dog club membership. Like you have to get a membership and, or you can get like a day membership or like monthly memberships or whatever to take your dog there. It's like a dog park, I guess. So I don't know. I'll let you know how it goes, but I'm uh, looking forward to just getting Sun out with the other mm. doggies this weekend. Um, and I'm hoping that it goes smoothly because she is still a puppy. So, Sure, but I think puppy behavior from a tiny dog is a lot easier to manage in a situation like that than a puppy behavior from like a really large dog that doesn't know how much it weighs or how sharp its teeth are, these kind of things. Um, That's that's actually like a really interesting idea for a um, like a pay pay for peace of mind it sounds like um because part of the conversation with like dog parks is that like 
you know, sometimes people bring their dogs and they're not necessarily ready for the situation, whether it be the human yeah. or the dog isn't. Um, so to have everybody there paying in to make sure it's like a comfortable environment, I'm sure there's like dog vetting involved in some way. Um, so that's yeah, really I'm, uh, I'm still interested to see exactly how it works. Like we just went onto their website and got a pass for the day, sure. but it's uh it'll be interesting like they were asking they did ask a number of questions about her including if our dog has an instagram which we colleen has made so <laughs> for sana yeah i knew i knew that look would be your reaction but uh it's just a nice place to have like a collection of pictures of sana so sure yeah oh, um, oh believe me i get it that's interesting that they ask though oh yeah like i was I, she was like, I was like, do you have to put it? She's like, I think it's an optional field, <laughs> like, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's a marketing ploy of like, oh, if they give us the Instagram, then we can follow their pa- dogs, whatever. And then they'll right. follow us back and then we'll get more. I, I don't know. Maybe that's like the goal no, of it. That's good but, thinking. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely a little, little odd, uh, but it should be a good time. I'm looking forward to uh, to getting her. She hasn't really had any play dates over the past couple of weeks as she's been healing up a bit from uh, from her surgery. So mm-hmm. it'll be nice to get all the the pups together. Yeah, that's uh, that sounds that sounds like a, a great a great day. And hopefully, like you said, if it's if it's a good time, somewhere you can, guys can go in the future. Yeah, definitely. So mm-hmm. uh, that's my rose thorn and seed for this week. What's been going on for you? How are you? Dude, just a whole lot of headaches, man. Nothing but thorns over here. I I don't know what happened. I'm not going to go into the messy details of it, but it was a confusing emotional roller coaster. But ultimately, the lesson that we learn is patience gets you through, and there's no sense like... There's no sense getting rammy. There's no sense getting pushy or anything. So I just did what I could each day. Um, and, you know, and now we're here. Uh, so everything, everything's good. But boy, 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 am I rose here for the, for the day. I'm just happy as shit for the cloud. It's so easy to get your bookmarks back to just like sign into, you know, the business website. Like it's just all right there. Like, almost immediately like i had to do a clean install of windows and it's like it is not as much of a headache as it used to be like getting all your things back and feeling like oh i've got my device back cool um so yeah just big big shout out to the cloud up there thanks for keeping my shit safe um we gotta love it and then my seed here is there was some murmurings of a possible uh set thursday night uh commander night where um for the michigan gang hopefully over spell table we'll be able to get some games going on a more regular basis there was some really uh there was some really good positive feedback to that um so hopefully next thursday will be the first um will be the first of many thursday games which means uh you know we'll have to we'll have to make sure we're able to record on time but that's my rose thorn seed here for the week 
Very cool. I like to hear it. And yeah, we'll have to uh, hopefully avoid the technical issues and everything that we've had here and there, or just uh, we'll, we'll plan ahead a little bit, uh, a little bit more, make it happen. But the boat is still afloat, notably, you know, so that's, uh, that's worth saying. Yeah. Uh, But that uh, your thorn having to do that with the computer it's such a pain when i it was like when i switched or built this computer switched out my whatever i swapped out my hard drive and i thought Mm -hmm. that my computer was like entirely gone the fact that i i was able to get it back was huge um and yeah saving all your passwords and whatever else since every website makes you use different things to make passwords and you can't remember any of them that's that's helpful so yeah it uh it went really well but we've got a lot to get into here this evening so uh let's start with some quick hitters for formula one sounds good so uh the first one not formula one but i sent you this game called uh unrecord and it is this hyper realistic um uh like body first person shoot body cam first person shooter game so definitely uh interesting because it really it looks like incredibly real um and it's impressive where i think video games will be able to start going in terms of like realism it's uh it's kind of crazy yeah and i wonder i think what's going to be interesting is the first game that like goes over some line that the public doesn't know existed before where if it's too real elicits like some some uh unexpected maybe like emotional response to a to use your word like a hyper realistic um be it maybe like film scenario or game scenario uh yeah it and especially like with vr stuff included man it feels like and especially watching this just like my lord like you i could note my brain going back and forth between like is this is this real like i know you just said i'm watching a video game movie but like damn um so yeah it feels like things are about to get very kooky well, and like you were saying with VR, it's um, it, it just starts making me think of all these uh, like sci, different sci-fi animes and whatnot, where they're wearing the headsets and like mm-hmm. got the VR and they're in a different world and all. It's uh, it's pretty interesting that I mean that's kind of the direction that it video games and things can start to go. Um, but on another kooky thing, so all of the AI stuff that has um, started cropping up lately, like Snapchat added an AI chat thing that you can ask questions and get answers from, like Chat uh, Chat GPT, I think it's called, is like mm-hmm. the other huge AI thing. I used it at work for a couple things that I couldn't figure out making an Excel sheet, and I'm like asked it how to do it and it gave me all of the codes or like the um excel formulas and different things to just be able to substitute in what i needed to um that's sick but it it it's interesting because there was 
on TikTok. I saw this on TikTok when it first uh, got released. It just popped up on my For You page very quickly. But uh, this person made an AI-generated song featuring Drake and The Weeknd. Um, so it's at Drake's voice AI, The Weeknd's voice AI. It's blended together. It sounds like legitimately, and it's not like, where I think some people would be like, oh, like a robot would probably, it would sound weird or it would like, you'd be able to tell like this legitimately. I don't think most people would be able to tell isn't sure them. Um, so it's, uh, this is something that universal music group has already started to look at and they had already asked, uh, streaming platforms to ban any AI music that was put out there. Um, but it's, I saw a comment that's like uh, the SoundCloud like <laughs> links are going to be fire uh, with just AI music and stuff like that. That's uh, that will probably be created and potentially banned on like the main streaming platforms and all like Apple music and Spotify and all. Dude, imagine how deep that rabbit hole is going to be because not only will there be people making it there's going to be people like listening to it and engaging with it oh yeah eventually there's going to be whole communities of listeners that may have never heard a like oh that's weird yeah (laughs) and not because not because the real stuff has been um maybe over like saturated because they're gonna go look for the robot made version of it and that's gonna be their shit they're gonna like that it's like kind of kooky and weird and it's got this like really slanted way that they talk or whatever so eventually people are gonna be like oh do you like drake which drake robot drake or real drake yeah, I hadn't even thought that far. I'm just like it's it's pretty crazy that that AI is able to just create something like this so easily mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's why like with with my work and asking it instead of what I have done in the past for years and years is with things that I don't know how to do at work, I Google And I Google and Google again to find the information I need using the right keywords or looking up one thing and another thing and combining them together to figure it out. And then Mm -hmm. now I can just say, hey, chat GPT, I don't know how to do this thing in Excel. And instead of reading five, going, searching what I need to in Google, opening five different tabs on different Mm -hmm. things that might potentially give me the information I just type, Hey, how do you do this? And it's like, Oh, here you go. In seven easy steps. Like it's, it's pretty wild. Um, how quickly yeah, and that's it's, cropped up too. Yeah. And it's kind of like the thing that we've all been waiting for with those Google searches is you just want the data just collated. You don't want to have to like, you don't want to do the search. You just want it to return the answer to your question. And, right. and now like that, we have that power just at our, our desktops, which is fucking wild. Well, and it, another interesting, like if you want to go down the rabbit hole on that side too, it's like, 
is that going to kill so many websites business and so many web like i i saw a tweet someone asked like a kid i i may have mentioned this on the podcast but asked a kid like where they search for things they don't know and they said tiktok and chat gpt and it's like if no one is using Google and just ending up on a random, like, uh, if I'm looking for a workout, like men's health, fitness.com, like those websites, if I'm just like, Hey, how do I do this properly? And like an AI chat as it progresses can just show me, like create a video of like how to do something. Those, all of those websites are, I, I don't care what, Johnny Jeffries like does in the gym and him talking about his personal life story. I just want to know how to do the exercise. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's going to cut out so many things potentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like the middleman to information, but at the same time, there has to be humans backing up that data and creating the data for the chat GPTs to do their search in return. Ah, uh, that's fair. So yeah, because it, it does need some input to to figure figure it out. Sure, but, but kooky waters is what we're saying, and I think the more we're online in the next, let's say, three years, the more things are gonna be like. Was that actually Jack Nicholson? Oh yeah, big time, right. and it, it's like. It's going to be concerning to figure out what is real and what isn't. Uh, this article that I sent you that um, a German magazine published a fake interview with Michael Schumacher. They created an interview with a, a chatbot um, pretending to be Michael Schumacher and put out this interview just thinking like, oh, that's okay. We're faking an interview with someone who is world famous um, has had a traumatic brain injury from a skiing accident and has lived with his family in seclusion. Let's make a fake interview about that guy and put it out there for everyone and not tell you that it's fake until like the very end. It's just, I mean, it's crazy that anyone looked at that and said, this is okay to do, but it's, it's wild. It's it's the evolution of the um, of the tabloid, man. It's like uh, just straight up not real. Instead of just making up like stories based on what this person s- heard from that person mm-hmm. at some party in Hollywood, like it's now just they're f- literally faking <laughs> interviews. It's uh, crazy. Yeah. So. I think that's like what you were saying with these video games and all too. It's like there are going to be lines that you quickly find out are there that you haven't haven't crossed yet. We've been just right. plodding along and maybe haven't seen a line in a bit. And there's just going to be one right there in the sand. And you're going to go, sure. oh, all right, that is a, that's a thing now. So. Yeah, like it's all it's all fun and beat saber until, you know, one of these games puts you in a more than real scenario with a headset on and you're going to be like, "Okay, this 
uh, th- things have changed in some important way. We'll get there, and it's going to be weird. Uh, like to imagine how realistic I used to think games were back in like 2010 compared to how far they've come now. It's it's just wild. Um, but that's uh, that's kind of the non motorsports quick hitters that I had for this week. One that I wanted to touch on before getting into the IndyCar race a little bit was that Scott Dixon, who is a current driver in IndyCar, was inducted into the Motorsports Hall of Fame of America, which I think is really weird. Uh, I, I find it super odd to induct someone into a Hall of Fame while they're still a current like participant in whatever, whatever they're... Um, their thing is whether it's a sport or music or like you wouldn't induct like someone who is actively continuing to put out music into the music hall of fame. Like you wait till they retire or are just like their career is ended and they do like little things here and there or whatever. Like you can, you can induct Dolly Parton into the music hall of fame or country music hall of fame or whatever, because she's not really making music anymore, but Scott Dixon's still a driver. (laughs) Yes, but quick Google eligibility for induction is extended to quote, any person who has driven, piloted, owned, designed, built, supported, maintained, prepared, or promoted motorized vehicles in pursuit of speed, distance, or other records. An inductee must either be retired for at least three years or engaged in the top level for their area of motorsports for at least 20 years. Induction is limited to U.S. citizens or non-citizens who have recorded significant motorsports achievements in the U.S. So... I mean, but that is... okay. 20 years, bro, he's been doing it. I appreciate that, but like... There are still like Jimmy Johnson's another guy. Jimmy Johnson has been, I feel like around for fucking forever. I feel like Jimmy Johnson was racing when I was in elementary school. Mm -hmm. I could be wrong, but. And then also I'm pretty sure for the rock and roll hall of fame. Again, it is, I think 20 years after your first release. I think is the um uh I just I find I just find it odd that like I'm so Hall of Fames are for people who have retired. Like I wouldn't put Faker into a League of Legends Hall of Fame until he retires. And he's been playing League of Legends for like 10 he's been like at 10 11 years. That's I mean 90 percent of the the game has had faker since it's been yeah around. yeah and i i tend to agree with you um just because traditionally that's how it's done but being 20 years is not a light stipulation um and then no, also only being retired for three years so maybe it is a little bit um uh, everyone it doesn't feel exactly that it's not like everybody's good so just get get on in here it doesn't feel like that but 
does every Hall of Fame have to be post-career induction? What are... I mean, I guess it depends on... Uh, it depends on... Like, what, do you, what are we losing by inducting them in while they're still current? I think that the... There, there are people who, at least in other sports, baseball or whatnot, like those additional years can potentially like hurt your career as a whole. Like whether it's people like Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa with steroids and everything guy like Alex Rodriguez, who, who played baseball as like a top player for years and years and years still most likely will get into the hall of fame, but retires and um, uh, like, I'm sure has a shadow of a doubt on him because of steroid at like uh, use and things like mm-hmm. that. Like there are things that could happen if your career is still continuing that you can't say, okay, this guy is like a person that we would like to put up and promote into this like elite thing without knowing the entirety of their career. Like I'm not saying that Scott Dixon's going to go and like ax murder someone or something. And then they're going to have to like rescind his name from the motorsport hall of fame. It's just like, I, I don't know. I feel like it's makes more sense to me just in my brain to look at someone's whole career and say, this person's career belongs in to this hall of fame once you have it in its entirety and you can say, yes, this whole thing, like it makes sense to put here. Sure. That makes sense to me. And it's, it, and it may just be a difference of opinion. It's just, that's how that works in my brain. I thought it was mm-hmm. weird when I saw it. Um, but if it was to be fair, if reading the induction rules, if it was anything less than 20, I'd probably be like, I'm with you. That's weird. What the hell? See, 20 no. feels like a really solid number. Um, if they're yeah. going to do that, 20 feels like I we've waited a good long time here. Yeah, like uh, and so I can I can respect that as well. Like if someone's had like 20 years in a professional sport is a ridiculous level as well not like Um, you know not indie carts right and i mean um jimmy johnson he his first nascar race was in 1998 so 25 years that he's been or at least active in motorsport i'm not sure if there are gaps in there between when he left nascar and started racing indycar and whatnot um i'm not sure exactly but long long time that's uh it's more than Alonzo, so it <laughs> goes further back. Mm, yeah, 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 gotcha. Well, yeah, so then that that would be... So, okay, let's liken it to something, you know, that we're a little more familiar with. How how would we react if they were like, all right, well, Alonzo inducted into the Formula One Hall of Fame, and he's, like, still driving for Aston Martin? Yeah, cause, I mean, his first drive was in 2001, so, I mean, that's be 22 years. He'd be eligible. I w- I'd still feel weird about it. Sure. I- and I... I- 
I don't think I'd be upset or anything. I'd still feel weird though. Cause I just think of him as like a current driver and like, I know mm-hmm. he's, I, I just think of him as one of the, the goats, like kind of up there. Some of the, one of the like best drivers that we've had. He's a multiple time world champion, um, mm-hmm. driving competitively at 41. I think he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, so I, I would throw him up there into that top tier of drivers, but I would still feel like, once he retires, that's when you, I'd be like instant pass, like day after he retires and Fernando Alonso's inducted. Like that would make, that would be fine. Okay. All right. Now we're getting like closer to the bottom of it. See, I don't see much of a difference between acknowledging pre-retirement that this guy is hall of fame level. Oh yeah. And having a ceremony. I don't I don't see much of a difference there. Like if you're already going to say he's Hall of Fame material and he belongs in the conversation and we should we should pay deference to this guy, we should revere a career like this. I mean, you're I mean, you're one step away from like oh, getting him up on and, stage. And for for me maybe my hang up is just due to my long like fandom of professional uh, of like the big four professional sports like basketball baseball football hockey those are at least in the u.s of course uh football uh in the rest of the world biggest sport in the world but um like in all of those sports you can't be inducted as a current player so it might just be my own uh, yeah typically it's like five years after you retire Mm -hmm. you're eligible or whatever I, that's what I'm used to. So that's my own. Uh, and I think baseball and, and actually it's probably more than five years. It's probably like 10 years after um, for some of the sports, but mm. yeah, that might be where my like hang up is with, with doing it. So, yeah. And Hey, fair enough. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not complaining. Just curious. Yeah. So we're, we're getting there. This is my, uh, we're, we're dissecting my, my thoughts. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but getting into, we had an Indy car race this past week, uh, qualifying. We had Roman Grosjean qualify P three. Uh, and then Kyle Kirkwood took his first pole position for the race at, uh, at long beach. Um, so did you end up getting to watch, uh, like back much more? I know that you were, I think you caught the end, right? Yeah, I was able to catch the end, the um the very um the very racy Grosjean trying to catch up to to Kirkwood and I had gone back watched the watched the rest of the highlights afterwards. Um so I was able to see the race. Lots of lots of, you know, rubbing rubbing rubber and I... uh, some pretty pretty important offs. It stresses me out how much they hit each other. Like mm-hmm. I, the NASCAR race that Jensen Button and um, and Kimmy drove in was like crazy amounts of bumping. But IndyCar, those cars take abuse, man. They they hit each other hard, and that those bend and do not break. Um, so it it was definitely uh, a crazy day with some big people uh scott dixon 
going out, Pato Award had a really um, tough race as well. So there were uh, a number of top guys that kind of fell down the uh, the standings there. Yeah, and some like what's weird to me is the um, what's weird to me is how much the track looks just destroyed mm. after just you know a couple of a couple of laps a couple of spins you just see like burnouts everywhere the line Um, is like super rubbered in there's something really like gritty about it and it's um it has a just whole different feel where i feel like the f1 tracks even the tracks are like very clean and neat this not so much well, and it, it is a street circuit, so mm-hmm. there's, but it's also a fast, a pretty fast street circuit. Mm-hmm. Like there, so there are a lot of places, like at Monaco, on there, like driving around Monaco, if you could go as fast as you can at Long Beach, I would say there probably would be a lot of similar looking tire marks on the ground mm-hmm. and everything. Um, but I think because it's, um, it is so fast, like and Monaco's so slow, you don't get those opportunities to to cause that kind of damage to the to the ground. But yeah, it looks it it does. It's very distinct. Like uh the spin outs and or spin-offs into the runoff area and everything are leaving these just skids of uh of tire tracks behind them. But yeah, a lot of uh a lot of contact, but a pretty IndyCar is interesting to me still. I don't think it's quite at the F1 level, but it's still like I enjoy watching it a lot. Well, there's something about it in like in the way that they do so many laps. There's an endurance element to it. There's Mm -hmm. obviously this like very high speed element to it. Um, So you're getting a lot of. You're getting a lot of different flavors of racing all in one um, format, you would say, series. Um, and yeah. that's that's kind of the impression that I've had with it is especially the especially the endurance element. The fact that Long Beach was this was like 80 laps, I believe, on like a much longer circuit. Some of the other some of the other circuits are like 150, like 175 laps. So there's something there's something in that that's really fascinating. I think that speaks to a driver endurance level. Um that is pretty impressive. So yeah, these are the kinds of things that I think about when I'm watching the race. And yeah, like F1 is they do a lot of laps too, but seeing like one seven five up there, that's crazy. Yeah, and the oval tracks are ridiculous numbers of laps. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I I definitely am in agreement there. I think the um, the interesting like when you compare them side by side, like, and I, I said this when we were talking about super license points and all, but I, I definitely think IndyCar is on at least the level of F2 or should be considered on the same level in terms of super license points. Cause sure. you do have guys that drove an F1 who are like 
seeing success, but they're not winning every time. Like you would think that if an F1 driver went down into F2 and was racing, the F1 driver should beat those F2 drivers. Like the vast majority of the time, Mm -hmm. um, barring like incidents and things like that. Um, but we don't we don't see that in IndyCar. There's some really solid drivers. Kyle Kirkwood, who's a young up and coming driver, gets his for, first pole position, goes leads 53 out of the uh, out of the laps and finishes P1. Grosjean had a great race as well. Goes from mm-hmm. third, moves up to second, finishes P2, just about a second off of Kirkwood. Um, and the other part, like you were saying, with the endurance part of it is. It's so interesting watching these teams have to refuel their cars. Mm-hmm. Like the the whole thing at the end that I was jazzed about before they broke my heart on the broadcast was that Grosjean had like 150 seconds of push to pass left mm-hmm. uh, when his opponents there at the end only had like 50 seconds. So I'm like, oh, he's going to cruise – he didn't have enough fuel to do more than about 30 uh, seconds of that 150. So it's like based on when the refuels happened and his pit stops and everything, he didn't have the extra fuel to even utilize all of that, which I was like, gotcha. man, I was like, that sucks. Cause uh, I guess if you use more earlier in the race, then you can just refuel a bit extra during the pit stop mm-hmm. to make up for that. And so uh, there's like a, a learning curve with that too. Maybe Grosjean will handle that differently in the future. Um, but with these races being longer, like the cars have to refuel. An F1 car would have to refuel if they were going this length in the races. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then also hitting a uh, also hitting a, a a a boost button. You know, that's going to burn way more fuel. Yeah. Um, to to give you those, you know, horses. Yeah, so very um it's a fun race. I remember last year the there's a little um quick kind of chicane I guess around uh, the fountain there and yeah. there I think uh Helio Castro Nieves last year ended up with his car like up stuck on top of that. Um it was like one of the first IndyCar races I had watched and I remember that fountain and his car being like kind of stuck like a couple wheels off the ground couldn't get going uh yeah so uh a cool cool circuit um now in the driver standings though roman grosjean has moved up to p7 he's ahead of uh colton herda his teammate uh and then pato award fell out of first uh place and marcus Mm -hmm. erickson former f1 driver slid right up into that first position in the the driver standing so nice um so yeah some great drivers up there some good f1 drivers that are up in the top and so i enjoy i never saw marcus erickson race like during his time in f1 so Mm -hmm. i don't have the attachment to him as i do to to grosjean but uh still cool to see him uh performing well 
Yeah, and just some final thoughts. It's interesting the um, the mix of age at the kind of top of the table. You have uh, some longstanding veterans, and then some new, uh, newer, younger drivers that have been uh, given given some pretty solid drives of, and have been putting up good results. So it's interesting to get that mix of kind of veteran and not rookie, but you know, younger drivers. Yeah, younger drivers. Yeah. Um. And so another thing I saw comparing um, IndyCar and F1, someone had put up the comparison of how uh, Charles Leclerc did against Marcus Erickson when he first came into Williams. Um, And so Leclerc finished uh, up ahead of him in 13th uh, in the driver's standings to Erickson's 17th. So people were like, oh, IndyCar deserves a lot more respect, which I, I do think that they do, but it was like just the, the Twitter drama and someone's like, oh yeah, the leader in the IndyCar championship got smoked by uh, this guy who's, they called Leclerc an average F1 driver in his rookie season mm-hmm. and then posted a video of Leclerc just crashing again and again. It's like two minutes long of just all of Leclerc's crashes. That's awesome. <laughs> and I, I was surprised. He just crashed way more than I would have thought. Sure. But I, then, bet, I bet all the drivers have. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, like I have just thought like when I think of someone as a good driver, when they have incidents or crashes, it just like, I'm just like, ah, but they're a good driver. Uh, mm-hmm. Like Leclerc uh, crashing out of P1 twice last year uh, on his own accord and everything. Like I was just like, ah, things happen. It is what it is. And then watching this video, it was like all these incidents when he was like really early on in his F1 career at Williams. Yeah. And then uh, a fair bit with the, uh, with Ferrari as well. But I just, and then when you smush them all together, it's like there's no difference between the early years and the later years. It's just like, ah, oh, look at this guy. He's such a shitter. <laughs> it was, but I feel like that's what people did to Grosjean too. Sure. And now he's like finishing P2 in, uh, in the last race in IndyCar. And I'm like, I'm like, I knew he was a pretty solid driver, but he did have his fair share of incidents and everything. So it's like, uh, there's some, some truth to both. Um, mm. But that was my uh, non-F1 quick hitters just to, to round out the F1 little bits. Um, there's a couple of things. So AlphaTauri is going to partner a little more closely with Red Bull, um, which I wasn't sure like how the partnership worked exactly, but uh, they're going to be having a similar um, relationship to what Haas and Ferrari have where mm-hmm. Haas, I guess, purchases the rights to use some of their components. Um, so Red Bull will provide Alpha Tauri starting in 2024, the front wheel suspension. Uh, so they're going to have that along with the Red Bull powertrain engine um, for future seasons. Oh, that's that's really cool. Yeah, so I think um, with obviously with Red Bull being the fastest car on the grid, being able to have that suspension ride the car lower and hopefully be able to figure out the floor and the mm-hmm. the arrow with that um, could potentially boost AlphaTauri back up towards where I think they were hoping to be and kind of were at towards the end of um, – 
the last uh like the hybrid turbo hybrid era before the the rules sure. changes so sure it's uh it's obviously just a ploy for red bull to muscle in on some of that uh wind tunnel time that alpha towery has yeah 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 we'll sell you some some springs if uh let's get in that wind tunnel come on yeah show show us the data yeah (laughs) exactly um but another another f1 news bit that came out so christian horner uh along with stefano dominicali both came out talking about the um, 2022 budget cap. So as many, apparently as many as six teams potentially may have gone over the budget cap in 2022. Hell Um, yeah. (laughs) So it's going to be interesting now to see kind of now that the the precedent was set with Red Bull and now we'll get to see what, all the other teams get in terms of penalties, see what happens. Uh, so that will, I'm sure will be taking at least till the halfway point in the season to figure out, but, uh, and have appeals and m- more information and whatever else submitted by the teams. But yeah, so more than half the grid might've broken the cost cap. Bro, and more than half the grid was looking for Christian Horner's head when, you know, news came out that they busted the cost cap and everybody's like, fuck Red Bull, fuck Red Bull, they're gonna win, they're fucking cheaters. I hope to God that Red Bull is not in that list of six, and if they're not, and six other teams are, I'm going, when that gets announced, I'm gonna just be... I'm going to call out sick from work. I'm just going to be watching the Twitter comments and fights about all of this stuff and just like bask in it. It's mm. going to be hilarious. That'll oh, yeah. be a great day. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, let's, let's be honest. There's a pretty solid chance that rebel may be on that list. So. Oh, definitely. But mm. I, I just think it's, it's amusing. It's, uh, ironic. I, I and in general funny like I yeah. think that Big time. Red Bull obviously did go over it they've been penalized and like I'm just curious to see for the sport like what's gonna happen because either they have to implement higher penalties or they're gonna have to change something to avoid this kind of thing happening mm-hmm. submit your invoices weekly throughout the season Right, right. Like, don't keep them uh, till the end. Yeah, I don't know. They're, they'll have to do something with it. But um, yeah, I'm I'm thinking we'll probably still not hear for another 10 races or so. But well, gotcha. Yeah. So as we get new information, we'll uh, we'll let you guys know. But the um, leading up, we've got Baku coming up pretty quickly in two weeks now um george russell unfortunately had to it sounds like take a new power unit so he i think is on his last allotted power unit now and will potentially have to take a penalty the next time that he uh has to change it so we've got 20 races it's either his Maybe he has one more, but I think he's 
<laughs> most of what, the they way. last one race dude that's crazy i think they only get three for the season right. without penalties and i think he he's either on his second or third obviously because they mm-hmm. changed it so i wow. yeah so concerning they saved his electrical uh electrical components so that is something that he won't have to take a penalty yet thank for. god man thank <laughs> god we saved those electronic components yeah um but then the uh final little f1 tidbit i had before we move along was that this is the first time ever that every team has gotten a point uh at the end of three rounds of racing so every constructor in f1 has a point we've got alpha Tauri and williams got one each so wow yeah which Most is competitive season confirmed yeah i i mean at least in the middle, like there it is. Uh, it's kind of cool to see that. And I think the new regulations, everyone uh, or not everyone, a lot of people criticized after last year and were concerned, but I do feel like the, the grid has gotten a little closer with all the different teams. There's not any team that I'm just like, Oh uh, yeah, that's P19 and P20 every race. It's not the Schumacher, Mazepin, Haas. It's not the Latifi, mm-hmm. Russell Williams. I'm just like, I don't know. Like I know which teams are towards the bottom, but I mean, at the same time, uh, it's impressive that every team has been able to get a point that quickly. Yeah, and we'll see if that trend continues. We'll see if they're able to, you know, get any more as we continue. Um, but yeah, it is going to be interesting to not see the same drivers at the back and and maybe see like actual competition for those back slots instead of just like, oh, this is just what it is. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's just good for the sport in general because mm-hmm. I think this also allows teams to better vet their drivers in a way like when George Russell and Nick Latifi are finishing P19 and P20 every race the only thing that you can look at and say George Russell is a good driver is that he like beat his teammate out mm-hmm. every single time and then also was like close to getting points it's like if there is this ability for all these teams to kind of be fighting consistently together around the same level, you can go, Oh, this rookie driver is actually good or actually bad because they're in a car that competes with four other teams and they're Mm -hmm. finishing at the top or bottom every time. Like it gives you a better idea of, the driver's skill level, at least at that point in their career, obviously rookies and whatnot, you give a little more leeway because you're like not expecting them to beat a guy that's in a similar pace car. That's had eight more years of experience, but, um, but yeah, I think it's good for, for the sport as a whole. Um, I think it's a, a cool, cool stat. So. And now you mean like, just not just in the turbo hybrid era you mean just flat uh yeah so this is the um the f1 twitter account tweeted out that this is the first time ever that every team has scored at least one point in the first three races so for the entirety of uh 
F1, at least in terms of like a points championship, however far right. back that goes. Wow. Yeah, that's actually very cool. Man, what a time to be alive. What a time to be an F1 fan. Yeah, um, that's true. Also, what a time to be a League of Legends fan. And Justin, I'm going to tell you something that's going to make you probably way happier about watching League of Legends. Yumi is disabled for MSI. So she uh, is apparently untuned and disruptive enough that uh, they are going to (laughs) not allow her to be played at MSI. Wow, dude, even post nerf, even when the casters were like, Yumi's gone, raise the flags, it's all over, we can come out of our homes now. Yep. Uh, that's hilarious. So, well, okay, so let's talk about uh, fair. We know that Yumi's been like fucking wild. What are other champions that have had the same effect? Oh, um, like what's been banned from like Riot or just permaband as far as champion because it was just agreed on like this is stupid. I like mean, remember when Cassidin was, per- was Cassidin, just permaban? I would say Rise has had points where Rise should have been, um, or or was like there. Rise was definitely a hundred percent pick ban in like eight world championships in a row or something. And it probably wasn't that many, but like Rise was ridiculous, and every time they changed him and updated him, he just ended up being more broken than the previous right. Time. Well, that's like, that's the thing is how many reworks did he have? Like right, five I'm, or six. Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. lot. Um, so I mean, there there are so many champions that they've just maintained as being like super bad. They're like, well, actually, in Silver 3, Trindamir has a 65% win rate, so we have to balance him so that he's trash at higher levels because then challenger players will just be abusing Trindamir. It's yeah. like it's like you're balancing because there's people who are like the lower half of the, the players of the game that are like good at this champion. It's like, mm-hmm. ah... I don't know, like, so that champions like Trindamir, Garrett, like those champions typically have not been successful in professional play. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's champions that I would say should just be like disabled for professional events. Um, There are plenty of champions that essentially are because they're just like that bad, but Mm -hmm. Um, the Yorks of the of the world. He had a brief stint where he came back after his rework, but yeah, I don't even remember what he does now. He makes like a ghoul now. He makes like a lane pushing ghoul or something. Okay, so yeah, Yumi being disabled by Riot—that's crazy. That they like—it's bizarre. It's they—they've never other than like child. Other than when there have been bugs with champions. Right. That, like, that's the only instance. Like, 
oh, Kogma is banned from this tournament because every time Blitzcrank punches him, he flies to the moon and doesn't come down for 15 <laughs> seconds. It's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Sure. But like this is this is just oh this champion we haven't figured out how to balance it so sorry no one gets to play it well and then it's so hated by the community that they're like all right you guys don't have to deal with this because we know the players will pick it if it's available right and then there's there are teams like i mean to be honest cloud nine plays play or played their fair bit of yumi like Sven yep. plays it a decent bit when in the the support role and everything so yep. i mean it will also affect that not that those players can't play lulu or something instead but it's uh it's definitely interesting well you have made me happy that's great news and um yeah yeah, but uh, to get over to some of the League of Legends talk, um, we did have the LEC Spring Playoffs kicked off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just briefly, I wanted to to mention we've had one series so far. There's only um, it's sort of a gauntlet um, ish to to go through. So or a very short playoffs but vitality faces uh faced bds in the first round and got three owed so uh perks and um perks and upset and kaiser got three owed by a team of much newer players in the in the lec i would say overall Pretty surprising, although um, looking at the like looking at the pick ban, having Photon on Akshan, probably not where you want to be. So that's like really weird that they're looking for also, that though, kind of pick. Adam playing Darius is a bizarre pick as well. Um, the The top lane was hit pretty hard. You get four bans to the top lane from BDS. Uh, banning out the Rumble, Gwen, Kennen, and Jace. Gwen and yeah. Rumble being banned out is is crazy. But I think it's crazier that BDS was eating four bands at top lane and still just smoked Vitality. Right. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. They just like, well... I'm I'm curious if you look at uh if you look at Vitality's games are they playing through Photon more and then so it's just like I just ban that guy out put him on his like third tier champion and then we just win that way um cuz I yeah, yeah I'm I'm not 100% um just because I I haven't watched much LEC this year but I would imagine that they should be able to say, okay, put this top laner on a normal top lane pick that isn't something weird mm-hmm. and carry, try and carry through perks or upset like through mid lane or bot lane. Just put them on mm-hmm. a tank and like top laners should be able to play tanks. It's been the meta for a long time or a lot of different points in the history. So uh it would be bizarre if he would not be able to 
It is also very weird to me, though, that we saw Adam pick Darius twice. I The champion picks are so weird in the LEC compared to the LPL and LCK. I'm... I'm looking forward to seeing how this like adapts into MSI. Yeah, no, I I would tend to agree and we're seeing a lot of like like meta champs as well, but even looking at the mid laner nuke for BDS like two games on Oriana, one on Cassiopeia, like I guess these mages are pretty good doing the rod seraphs or I mean even for Oriana he went Luden's Luden's Echo. Um and then also Leandri's in game three. So like he's changing up the, the item builds, but these are just champs that you really aren't seeing on other players like that, as well as the Darius that you shouted out. Um, so yeah, interesting to see how they're going to match up uh, once we, once we get to MSI, but you know, the score lines look good. I'm really curious what the fuck happened to perks, man. Oh, three, Oh six. That's just not what you expect to see uh, from a vitality game. Yeah, I would say definitely not. I think Perks has obviously shown he's uh, a great player over his career, but these these past couple splits, he has definitely struggled more than we've seen him before. Um, mm-hmm. So a 3-0 for BDS, they move on. Uh, they'll be facing up against uh, the winner of, excuse me, the winner of uh, Mad and G2. Um or sorry, yeah. So Vitality will face the winner of Madden G two, and then BDS uh, is waiting there in the finals for whoever makes it through that lower lower bracket. Right. Yeah, that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be an interesting one. Um, the power level of LEC clearly has, I guess, leveled up. If um, you know, if Vitality is not the the really the top dogs anymore, I'm interested to see what the last couple of rounds are gonna look like. Yeah, and looking just at uh, some of the, like the bot laner stats, because Crowny BDS's bot laner um, was uh, kind of one of the standouts in that series, but he had the highest ki- uh, kills per game in the LEC. He was third high, um, I think. Yeah, third highest on KDA. Um, he was pretty far up there. On he was second on damage per game. So. Uh, a really, I think, surprising team just because they don't have any of the legacy kind of star players in the LEC. Sure. It's uh, it's a group of young young guys coming up and playing very well. So looking forward to seeing the, the rest of that, seeing who makes it from the LEC over into um, the MSI stages um mm-hmm. and then we had the lpl finals as well with jdg and billy billy gaming which no matter how their series goes uh if it is bds that ends up making it to msi to use casual's words they're likely just going to get analed by jdg that is a uh pretty accurate statement i would say pretty fucking graphic if you ask me but yeah would, the jdg billy billy gaming series it was actually it was actually pretty entertaining you uh, want to get into it here yeah absolutely it's uh it was a fun series to watch for me i was really pulling for billy billy gaming the whole time i wanted to see the underdog story i was like these guys 
uh, are doing their thing. They don't have these like star players and they hung in a lot of the, well, I mean, they have star players, but not some of the biggest names. Three, six, nine ruler Knight have been some of the top players in their roles for, for a number of years now. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved Billy, Billy gaming, getting bin on the jacks early on in the series. Uh, unfortunately in game one, I felt like they just couldn't, they couldn't, uh, like team fight quite the way they wanted. Bin was able to get some really great opportunities, but a lot of the rest of Billy, Billy had to have stepped so far back that they weren't in position to utilize the Jack stuns that he was hitting on multiple people in team fights. So he's hitting that everyone's pushing in. He's dying. Everyone's like, Oh shit, our guy's dead. Now we have to back out. Um, so it was just a, a I, I think a, a difference in team comp that Billy, Billy wasn't able to fight as well as they would have hoped. Uh, and ruler on the jinx with the range that he was getting with the rockets and everything was super, super good. He played ruler was a, a stud the whole series. He played super well. Yeah. And to your point about the team fights, like the game actually looked really tough for JDG after the, like the first rift Herald, I think it was where they stepped up, they wanted to fight. They got bodied by blg pretty quickly so it looked pretty tough after that but like you were alluding to the triple front line for jinx to just like stay as far back as possible just infinite range on those rockets Mm -hmm. they like you said they just weren't able to get get anywhere near them and with yagao being really the only one that could threaten with like the long range baby cage. Like even he wasn't able to get close enough. Um, yeah. cause to get in range, he would have had to walk past three, six, nine on Kesante, Canavi on the Vi and, um, kind of a, kind of a frontlining Annie too with the, yeah. um, with the, with the Tibbers as well. So just a really, really tough spot after like 25 minutes for, for BLG to get onto the jinx. Yeah, and the longer the game went on, the more opportunities Knight had to to get some nice annuals and use that as an engage tool for those fights. Uh, mm-hmm. He utilized that super, like just really well throughout the game. Um, so uh, a solid game from JDG. But I was after game one, I was like, okay, Billy Billy's right there. They they're like in it. Uh, mm-hmm. And then game two was just an absolute smackdown from from jdg they were like oh you you thought you were close here you're you're definitely not um went after yigao really really hard early on to the point mm-hmm. where any of his ultimates later in the game onto bin going into the team fights he was either uh just too late and jdg was able to peel back enough or um just didn't have the the health or the damage that he needed to get those those picks. So it was a tough one on Billy Billy Gaming's side in that uh that second game. Yeah, I just think to your point, like uh speaking about the the Galio Blitzcrank kindred they just pick themselves a much harder team comp to play and then you look over at the jdg side of things they have like you know uh s tier champions in every role um the amount of cc available with 
Wukong, Ari, Rakan is just disgusting. Um, and speaking about the Rakan, I think missing was a huge part of the success there for um, for JDG. There was a certain part in the game where him and Kanavi were just like they were just getting picks mid, burning a flash like in the top lane, getting getting just like rampant Rift Herald ward coverage, and just the amount of flashes that missing burned in that like mid game stint was just. It was too much for Billy Billy Gaming on the re-engages then. They just had none of their tools. Um, so it was like a really solid, um, like, I would say, like, jungle support kind of showcase. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you. And missing on the Rakan, you're, uh, he, he played impeccably uh, with that while avoiding the Blitzcrank hooks and, and anything that Billy Billy was throwing at him. Um Going into game three, uh, Billy Billy was able to pressure early, and this is where I was I was a little surprised that in game one, uh, Billy Billy didn't take the Zaya. I expected them to because Elks had some really solid performances. He's played a lot. Game two, Billy Billy banded out uh, with JDG getting the Rakan, I guess. Um, but I, I was like, okay, game three, he's on the Zaya. This is what I'm looking for. And Elk had a really, really solid game on the Zaya, um, in, in route to their win. Yeah, and it was it was actually a tough match for them. Like even to win, JD Gaming was well. I would say they were kind of like even up to I think it was like about the twenty minute mark. Teams making making plays on both sides, um, but it ended up being um, it ended up being the the side lane plays that really kind of made it for Billy Billy Gaming. They were able to catch Knight one time and then he just had this really bad tp into the top side i i forget who they were ganking they might they might have been getting on to like kanavi or 369 or someone knight tps into help he just gets killed too and now all of a sudden blg has like dra- uh baron pressure they're like they're swarming jdg's red side jungle um so it was it was plays like this that felt really off from jdg where they had played such a uh, like pretty solid series up until this point it was weird to see them making these like uh like over forces basically thinking they would just be able to just out hands billy billy gaming oh, i'm just gonna tp in we'll just grab these kills real quick it felt very like um uh just like miscommunication going on there yeah and i think what i would say about that is actually not as much of a knock to JDG in those instances and more uh, to Billy Billy Gaming because I I do think that JD Gaming is kind of the they're they're ahead above kind of the rest of the LPL at the moment mm-hmm. it seems mm-hmm. uh, in terms of their performances but Billy Billy Gaming throughout especially this playoff run has shown that if they get a lead, they know how to close out a Mm -hmm. game. They know how to push their leads super well. JD gaming has just a whole roster of really solid players that don't get behind very often. So for Billy Billy gaming to get that advantage in even the one game and push that to a win when 
in if you look at the 1v1 matchups, I'd say in every role you'd probably lean at least towards the JD gaming players being better. Billy Billy Gaming still showed that they can when the opportunity presents itself, if JDG or any other team makes that misstep, that they're there to capitalize on it. And so that um I, I'm excited to see them in like the play in stage. And then of course I expect them to make it into the, the full bracket stage at MSI because I think they'll be able to capitalize on the teams from these other regions that aren't playing against teams at as high a level as JDG. Mm-hmm. Those opportunities to take those advantages will come more frequently. And I, I definitely expect them to be, at the top of that playing stage and then to qualify for the, the group bracket there. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, these weren't like, yeah, I think game two, like you had said, they beat up on your gal a little bit and just kind of crowded that mid lane. Sure. You get an advantage. You win a game that way. But overall, I'm not sure this was a series where Billy Billy gaming, like was like way out of it either. No, especially you look at the series that they played against each other. I guess that was round three. It would have been, um, Billy Billy gaming took JD, G to all five games and that was like that was a slug fest right um so blg is familiar with this position and yeah i would agree they're yes they were bested uh, i'll just say today yes they were bested today um but i don't think that is going to count them out in any way against the like against the secondary and third tier regions that they're going to be up against in the play in stages, especially yeah. like, especially when they're able to draft champions like this. Um, you know, Jun looked a lot better on the Vi than he did on the yeah. Kindred. And then what did he play in game one? Shouldn't the play Wukong. yet. The Wukong. Fair enough. Like these yeah, are, these are just fine. the champions that everybody's going to be playing. Um, so yeah, overall super encouraged by what Billy Billy gaming was able to bring to the table. I just think JD gaming was like, like they're they were yeah. on on something man i i think looking and uh once we fully know that all the teams i and what positions are going to be in i would like to kind of look at maybe ranking what our expectations of teams are but i think jd gaming has uh the ability to compete with t1 and gen g pretty pretty easily i would expect them to be um one of the favorites going into msi now that we're we've got most of the teams locked in we're waiting on the top from lec and then um the vietnam uh the mm-hmm. vcs champion yeah but other than that we have uh mostly the roster all all decided but yeah i think it's going to be i think it's going to be a pretty exciting tournament um and we'll look forward to you know seeing who comes out on top yeah um but i think that kind of wraps up the league of legends talk for this week mm-hmm. uh did you have any other notes for for that mm-hmm. Not for not for the League of Legends series. I think JD Gaming just kind of, you know, well played to them. Um, I do have some quick hitters here for, for some esports. We have uh, I Am Rio going on right now. I Am Rio 2023 just finished the group stage. Um, really, really tight 
a tight couple of days of play. Um, I really like the format that they do where it's like it's it's a couple of best of ones that have like if you lose, you get dropped down immediately into losers. And if you win, you stay up in the in the winners and then they break that out into best of threes later um so i really like the format one thing that really surprised me we had we had phase go up against team vitality and that was actually a really surprising series i would have guessed that goes to all three games but phase like actually fum- i think phase fumbles i think map one was their pick and they fumble it, Vitality takes it, and then Vitality follows up and wins their map pick. Mm-hmm. Um, so they just win two in a row, knocking FaZe out of the tournament. They they were already not doing so hot. Um, so that was that was a really fun matchup. And another interesting element that like that you'll notice is the schedule. This is something they were talking about on the cast. Because they've been pretty back to back with um the the season close of ESL 17 you had the RMRs recently you had a bunch of competition so a lot of the players like aren't as really refined in their strategy as they may want to be so you're seeing mm. a lot more like loose play it's like it's coming down to these actually kind of like wild wild little 2v2s and 1v1s where players are like um kind of pushing the envelope as far as like what they normally would do in these positions um so it's kind of fun to see from that angle you're seeing some wacky boosts some some interesting molotov plays that you don't really see players do normally uh to get some like advanced positions on like t sides and stuff so just some really interesting play uh a more fast and loose kind of style going on okay that's uh mm-hmm. definitely something to check out. Um and so what what is I guess the big difference is it cuz they're playing the same maps that they've been playing and everything. So it's yeah. like why are these different um like it, it I don't watch enough CS:GO to know is this something that happens every tournament where a new meta with new positions that kind of counter old ones come in or is it like um still a lot of standard like boost spots and things like that that they they've used previously you're seeing like standard boosts in like a lot of matchups but i guess i guess to be more specific because they just came out of the esl season 17 playoffs like that finals was like two weekends ago so the strategies that teams would have been using there it's it's just like a stand-up hour like you can't go out and like just tell old jokes so all of the strats that they would have been using to get their w's at esl 17 and then also this um the rmrs are like a points gathering tournament for whatever series they have going on so they also played like important matches in that respect as well um so they're kind of they're kind of spent from their strategies so you're seeing a lot more default a lot more just like random util being thrown out as opposed to these like seeing hard axx or like these like very set lurk plays where you see you know rops off on you know he goes for the 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 op long you find you know where they're they're like it's more like true counter-strike 
Yeah, so as opposed to like teams being like, oh, this guy, this scout on my team saw this guy at this position, they're going for this strategy on this round, so we need to do X, Y, Z. They're like, they are doing random things, so we got to try and guess at what what we're reacting to and everything. Sure, so, yeah, that, okay. that kind of style play going on. Interesting, that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been really fun to watch. From, it's different from most of the uh, CSGO that I feel like I've watched. I feel like most times it, it is very uh, typical, except for the the occasional like one round, like, oh, this guy clutches from a weird position because he, he did something different. So, um, but yeah, very cool. We'll have to keep an eye on uh, the IEM Rio over there for CSGO. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure the playoff stages are this weekend. And so I'm guessing I'm guessing the finals are on Sunday at some time. Um, they tend to keep them keep them pretty short. Gotcha. And then we also have the Call of Duty Major 4 going on uh, because of the Optic Major. I've been kind of tuned in. I had a lot of fun watching that. Um, so I got to see a couple maps of that today. I was uh, I was more focused on some other things, but the the maps have been really fun so far. Um, I want to see more of the like control and search boards. Um, but yeah, overall, just kind of looking forward to seeing some more Call of Duty, just putting it on the, you know, putting it on the radar that we've got it going on. A lot of uh, uh, a lot of esports going on this weekend. First person shooters. Nice. I'll have to check that out a little bit, too. I've watched um, I've watched a little bit of the Call of Duty League, but um it'll be fun to watch the major here and see how that shakes out um some of these guys that i've started to hear more of uh or started to pay attention to more other than just the the typical like scump uh and seeing how he does so yeah i think it'll be i think it'll be an interesting tournament looking to see looking forward to see like the 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 best of phases um although i think that's how the matches are set up i'm pretty sure they're doing um they they have to do multi-maps um so yeah i think even in the group stage that's how they're doing it but uh yeah yeah it's just gonna be good stuff uh we got a little bit of magic talk and we still got the flavor of the week coming up we're gonna take a little bit of a break and then we'll be right back to talk a little bit about magic the gathering we have march of the machines come out for pre-release this past weekend so game stores get you know x amount of product and they can do like a like a friday night magic uh pre-release so you get six packs you crack open those packs and then you build the best 40 card deck that you can out of those um out of those packs how there many was a, cards do you get in six packs um i believe it's 15 cards in each pack i think yeah, it's 80 cards eight, and okay eight commons three uncommons a rare and something else does that track eight three what is that 11 plus one is 12 i'm missing cards then you may get 11 commons is probably what it is yeah um either way so most of the decks are or most of your deck is going to be commons uncommons but the idea is try and build like synergies get a lot of creatures in there and it's just a cool way to just see the new cards in action um so we were at symbiote collectibles shout out they're an awesome game store nearby that has just provided so much fun recently and this pre-release was one of them and it was just a blast they were like 
dude, there must have been like 38 people there or something. Oh, that's awesome. Mad heads, dude. Mad heads. Everybody just excited about magic. You could just hear everybody just everybody was just talking about magic. It was really cool. Go ahead. Do you pay face value for the packs or is there like a, a higher rate because you're getting them pre-release? Uh, so the event's 30 bucks. So you figure packs are like, packs are about $5. Okay. So so six of them is like 30 bucks. Okay. Um, So, I mean, I'm, the game stores just purely makes money selling the packs too. mm -hmm. But I mean, that's, I was curious because I'm like, there are probably some people that are just collectors of some sort that go just to these pre-release nights to get their packs and then mm-hmm. like hope to get the the best card out of mm-hmm. out of those or whatever. So if you're going and doing that kind of thing, I would imagine there would be like an upcharge cuz you're getting potentially getting those cards ahead of like when most people would get their box shipped to them or whatever if you pre-order and whatnot. Right. I think there would be individuals that are trying to take advantage of like pre-release prices um, because like those prices would be inflated because nobody has them in their hands. Right. So if you get Um, that like crazy good card pull, just luckily in this thing, you sleeve that thing up real quick. And then now you can throw it on a whatever and and sell it for probably double the price because you got it a week early. Right. Yeah. Maybe, uh, yeah. Two X, two X would be, would be pretty nice. Um, I imagine, Local game stores don't necessarily enjoy the people coming in just picking up the packs because obviously they want to build a little community. They want right. you know the the F and M to go off. Uh, but yeah, you you can definitely do that. Um, it was fun hearing the 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 chitterings of people opening like powerful cards and getting to play them. Um, so that was really fun. The set is super fucking cool. It's really fucking cool. A lot of um. A lot of legendaries that are, they're like team-ups. So previously you had a legendary creature. It was just them on the card, but now they've like combined them. So it's like familiar faces that you know and love that are teaming up to like save the multiverse against the, you know, the big bad threat. There's a new permanent type that they made for the set. So like a whole new card type that exists now in Magic. Um, They're called Battles. It's like a whole different mechanic. It's really cool. Kind of cool. Not that great for Commander, but just cool in general. Does it give Um, you like, what, what does it do? Does it like trigger a just like you fight to the death kind of thing? Sort of. So you cast it when it enters the. So you cast it. It enters the battlefield on your opponent's side of the field, and it gives you an effect. It has health, basically. So the idea is you have to then attack it down, lower its health bar, and then when it's at zero health, it flips, and you can cast the backside. And the backside is like a pretty valuable spell that you get. Interesting. Um, yeah, so it adds okay. this whole nother layer, very similar to Planeswalkers, where you have to choose if you want to attack the Planeswalker or the player. You're going to have 
attack the battle or the player, but you get significant value if you do attack your so battle. So I, I can um, see why it wouldn't work well for Commander, because then it's just like, ah, whoever's lucky enough to get the last hit on it gets to flip it. So you may have played the battle card, but you don't necessarily get the... I would imagine that if it's on your opponent's battlefield, then the other two people that are not that person would be able to attack it. They can attack it, but I don't think they get to cast it if they're the ones that remove it. So oh. the argument would be like they would have no incentive to help you attack the battle. Weird. I would imagine that mm -hmm. it would be just like uh, another card on your opponent's field that anyone can attack and get the effects of it. Yeah, I think that would have been really interesting as a rule for multiplayer formats. And I may have to confirm um, to see how it actually works. But yeah, just overall, it's it's fun to have those in the limited set, see how much people are um, uh, playing them, see what they think, what the overall response is. But here's the story that I'll tell out of pre-release. So okay. my third opponent was really nice guy says he hates pre-releases but he does them anyway uh he plays commander and prop and that's called an addict <laughs> or you know maybe maybe he was just there with his friends who knows what the story was but either way he was a really interesting guy he played a red white like non-creature spell deck that utilized a new legendary. Uh, his name's Quintorius Loremaster. You get to exile things from your graveyard, make a spirit, and then you get to cast the thing that you exiled later for like three mana hmm. and, an, and an activation. So you can like fill up your graveyard, exile things from your graveyard to then be used later. So you get like, you, you get to rebuy a bunch of your really uh important effects this guy was playing this this uh, uh quintorius and just housing me like the decision points around like this untapped quintorius seeing what's in his graveyard seeing what my available plays are and it's just like oh he just gets the he just gets to stop it like he had so many options playing out of his hand and his graveyard i was like whoa this guy is sweet i had pulled a copy of quintorius lore master so ever since being beat by this guy i'm just like that's my next commander okay. i i've had a red white deck before i've had it for a while but it's just basic just equipment just red white you slap you know swords on a guy and have them swing and it's really boring and it's the same red white deck that everybody else has but this guy i was like no this is different i can do something here this is okay. really cool i f i was like inspired for the first time in a long time and i was like i know what i gotta do so i tore apart two commander decks unsleeved them got rid of got rid of my emotional attachments to it i was like out of the the ashes of these decks i will build a new deck and it shall be mine um it was just a it was just a wonderful little experience and i'm still tinkering with it and i'm still working on it and so it's been uh it's been a lot of fun so i've thoroughly enjoyed uh march of the machine so far it's a very cool set Nice. I'm excited to hear uh, how the, the Quintorius deck does in Commander since you 
will be one of the first people. It's not like you can, I'm sure you could go and find a Quintorius deck online, but there's no meta Quintorius deck. So you are yeah, crafting it point. on your own. And then later on, when it does become a more common commander and everything, you'll see a meta. And it'd be interesting to see how your initial kind of deck kind of and play style compares to, to what becomes like the meta for that, for that uh, card. Yeah, it'll be interesting because there's like there's a whole bunch of ways that I think you could do, and I think my deck is gonna have a, a an affirmative non-creature core, but I'm curious how much of an equipment sub theme I'm gonna build in because obviously I have a lot of equipment cards left over. I have some mm. really strong equipment cards, um, so thinking how much of a blend you want, um, but seeing yeah, seeing what other uh, some other players build will be informative uh, to say the least. So that's been really fun. That's kind of my uh, little little magic TED talk here for the week. Nice, I dig it, and that's a that's a cool night to get to go down to the game store, jam some magic with uh, with some different people and everything. So yeah, that's uh, great. That's solid. And I'm still looking forward to hearing about the Pioneer Tournament. We've got that in, is that this weekend or next weekend? Uh, There's, yeah, the 1K is next weekend. I've got some matches on Saturday um, for for Pioneer. I've been working on my sideboard a little bit. I've been kind of brewing around um, maybe a different main deck plan. So hopefully next episode... I'll be able to talk a little bit about that in preparation for the 1K, and then hopefully I'll be able to talk a little bit about Quintorius as well. Hopefully we'll be able to jam some games. Nice. I dig it. Uh, Looking forward to hearing about it. But we are here now at the Flavor of the Week for this week's episode, and that was a terrible transition. So so I'm just going to block that out and get into my food for this week. But uh, last night I made some – or I guess it was two nights ago I made steak, potatoes, and green beans. It was like very basic, very easy. Um, But uh, yeah, solid classic. Um, Steak – that – I feel like it's just such an anytime kind of meal. Like Mm -hmm. in the spring, it's like, oh yeah, like that's a nice spring meal in the winter. It's like, you can make it a little more hearty with the potatoes and add some gravy and whatnot. Um, But yeah, just a a good one that we had this week for my music, just because I am um, a cornball. I was listening to a bunch of Snoop Dogg on my ride home from work uh, since today is uh, April 20th. So I was jamming a little bit to some Snoop Dogg and some Snoop Lion. So a little little mix in there. Um, (laughs) I was listening to some of that on my way home. Uh, And then my visual medium for this week, Colleen and I picked up uh, Babylon, which is a movie that we started on our trip to Denver. Um, very chaotic and I, the further into the film we get, cause it's three hours long and it is overwhelming is probably the easiest word to describe this movie because it's mm-hmm. so chaotic. And so like, I'm still trying to put together what the, like, I know the plot, I know this happens and this happens and this happens and this happens. I get that. But 
I don't necessarily see how it all ties together and what kind of um, you see all of these lives of different characters and what their experiences are as they're going through this time of film and theaters and movies like becoming like like booming going from silent pictures mm. up through new movies with sound and like what that created like orchestras doing movies that you could go see an orchestra on screen with the music and everything mm-hmm. and all this stuff. Um, you're just watching all these characters go through all these changes of the industry, but it's so chaotic and their lives are so chaotic and intertwined and everything that mm-hmm. I don't know if there's more of like, uh, this it's, I don't know if it's like telling a story about this or it's like just these are the chaotic lives that you would have seen going through this time period. Like it's just, it's so much going on in every single scene. There are very few scenes that are like a lull where you're like, okay, I can kind of like compose my thoughts on what just happened. It's just Mm -hmm. right into the next like craziness and mayhem. Um, Very, very interesting movie, but we've had to to parse it up into, we'll have a a third viewing evening uh, for the last hour or so of, of the movie. Wild man, three hours. That's a, that's an excessive amount of time. I'm kind of, I'm kind of getting like, um like forrest gump vibes not that that movie's crazy um but it is kind of a that's like a decent like he does a lot of bizarre is in a lot of bizarre situations throughout the story of his life that they put into this movie and so that's like trying to call back to events in history as though he actually was there yeah and right. so this is it's like a relatively similar kind of idea in terms of that in the grand scheme but sure. it is where they're more meta characters not characters yeah, yeah they're, like they're trying to represent maybe a yeah. group of people or like a spirit or an yeah. idea yeah exactly like okay they, that's they fucking kind of, cool it is and and like i'm looking forward to finishing it but then sure. but it's like after an hour of watching it my brain is so like jarred by just right. the amount it, it overwhelming is probably the best like description for it so i'm interested to finish it and then i want to look at the rotten tomatoes and like the imdb and everything to see what other people have like said or thought about it because Mm -hmm. this is my, my impression thus far. And so there's still a little bit to, to kind of fill out that, that perspective on the, on the movie. Sure. But, uh, Hmm. but yeah, so Babylon and, uh, that rounds out my flavor of the week. Hell yeah, man. That's a, that's a solid little, Solid little lineup you got for us here. Let's see um, if I can add to the lineup. So my visual medium here, we finished Avatar, uh, The Last Airbender, got got through season three, the whole thing. I have to say, um, 
better the it is even better this time around which is surprising to say um not often do things get better as you watch them um but yeah this was just amazing i think there's something about the um the co-enjoyment that me and sarah has like knowing that she enjoys it so much Mm. i think elevates it for me as well um so this 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 watch there has been really exciting um my food here for the week sarah was a part of a um a food research study uh she had to order from a couple different places around town so a couple of the times i helped her out with that um which is definitely outside of my wheelhouse but it was nice to get um it was nice to get some fried goodies, you know, uh, for, for not that I don't do it often, but it's, yeah, it was just, it was fun to kind of take that detour a little bit. And then my music here for the week, Kendrick Lamar released a video for, uh, one of the songs from, uh, Mr. Morale and the big steppers, rich spirit, uh, which was, which was one of my favorite tracks on the album released a video for it where he's doing some like, I can't take my eyes away type dancing. I know that it is supposed to mean something and he's doing it in a very intentional way. The video is like really I think there's like there's a melancholy there and it's like hard to watch in a way that not that it's bad it's it's it is what I believe an artist hopes their music video like it's a type of response that I bet an artist would be it, happy. It like makes you think like, what's this shot in here for? What like like what's this mean? That kind of thing. Um, just a a very fun way to rehear a song. Yeah, that's cool because the album itself does have a lot of m- melancholy and kind of um, like difficult. Uh, like lyrics and and energies throughout it and everything. Mm -hmm. And so um, I can imagine that like putting that into a visual representation is, is definitely interesting. I'll have to check it out because I think the, the album itself has a lot of different components that like, I don't necessarily personally can say I've experienced, but I, mm-hmm. I can feel what he's trying yeah. to do through the music. Like I can, I can feel the energy and I can, and to see that visually represented, I'm, I'm looking forward to checking that out. So I appreciate you uh, putting that on my radar. Oh yeah, man. PG Lang uh, knocks it out of the park. It was super fun. Uh, but yeah, that's my, uh, that's my flavor of the week here, sir. Very cool. Uh, so we'll check that out, but that does, Bring us to the end of this week's episode of the podcast. And as always, we appreciate everyone for listening, uh, taking the time to check it out. Um, of course, you can find us on YouTube, Google Podcasts, Spotify. So wherever you're hearing or seeing us. Uh, and of course, hit us up on Twitter. If you want to um, reach out, let us know what your flavor of the week is, your rose, thorn, and seed um, at tall and short of one, the number one on Twitter. 
Yeah, just to echo what Aaron said, just thank you so much. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you taking your time. Um, but yeah, just tell your friends. New episodes every Thursday. Time to get in on it. Super fun time. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been another episode of the Tall and Short of a Podcast. Peace out, everyone. See you next time.